This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that's as Australian as football, meat pies, kangaroos and Holden cars. Yes, it's our pre-Australia Day special podcast. And joining me, as always, is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Fools. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrew Page. So today, the latest unemployment figures are out. The news is a little bit mixed there. And, of course, Vegemite returns to Australian hands. Next, we talk a bit about foreign ownership. Does it matter? And finally, three Aussie Day-inspired stocks for your portfolio. But first, Scott. Yes. Unemployment. Yes. We get a little bit of a read on this. Is that a threat or are you just asking? Yeah. Well, you're employed for the moment, so, so, far, so while you're here... At least till the end of the podcast, which is positive. While we're in this room, minutes. no one can fire me, and that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, I do have a kill switch here, so <laughs> don't, don't get too carried away. So, uh, unemployment, we had 13,500 new jobs created. Excellent. And that's pretty good. Yes. But the unemployment rate went up 5.8%. How's that possible? Well, you tell me. <laughs> Thanks very much. The answer, Andrew, I happen to know this one. It was a rhetorical question. I'm good at those. Uh, basically, make like, make like other people make do my work. Look, the, uh, the unemployment rate went up because more people looked for a job. Now, when we talk about the unemployment rate, many people will think, okay, well, 5.8%. That means 5.8% of Australians are out of work. Nope. It's not quite like that. Nope. It's 5.8% of those people who are either employed or actively looking for a job mm. are unemployed. Right. There's a whole lot of Australians, I want to say it's something around four or five million adults, something like that, maybe it's a little bit less, mm. who are happily unemployed. That is, they're either retired, yep. they're students, they're say, the at home mums or dads, they've won the lotto, and they're not in the labour force. The labour mm. force is, is the people working and those looking for work. And that's the basis of the statistics. So we say, how many are actively looking for work and can't get one, divided by those people plus everyone with a job. And just, and just add another wrinkle to that yeah. as well. For, for these statistics, what counts as being employed? I think you only have to work like an hour a week or something to be cast, class, classed as employed. So there is the difference between unemployed and underemployed. Correct. Perhaps a topic for a different day. So it's how many people want a job and can't get one. Yep. And to your point, while they're not included in these stats, mm. it is a re- there is a real component of the Australian population who would like more hours and can't get them. Well, we can split up the uh, employment numbers a little bit further as well. So we had 9,300 full-time jobs were added, which is great news, but also an increase in the part-time positions, 4,200 extra jobs there as well. Now, if you look, this is for the month, if you look back over the last year, we had 120, almost 121,000 more people working part-time than they were a year ago. Right. Great news. Um, however, on the full-time <laughs> front, 35,000 odd people less are working full-time. So let, let's draw a line under this, Scott. Good, bad, indifferent. What, what's your read? Yes, all of the above. No, I'm okay. kidding. Look, so here's the thing, right? It's right, and and you are you are spot on. So our workforce is becoming more casualized, and yep. that's crappy if you want a full-time job and can't get one. If you've got to work 40 hours of casual work a week rather than a full-time permanent job, you can't get a bank loan, you probably can't get a car loan. You know, you want a full-time job. And so those who want a full-time job should be able to get one in a perfect world. Mm. That's not perfect. On the flip side, there are more jobs being created for more people. And if that means more part-time work on the way to full-time work, then the flexibility of the labor force is actually a net positive more often than not, albeit with unintended consequences. And you have to also put a bit in context as well. You know, there's been a lot of headlines written, a lot of people talking about the end of the mining boom as well. So the fact that we've actually got 5.8% unemployment and, and these kinds of numbers, you know, obviously these things can always be better. But in that context, it's it ain't half bad, is it? Mate, if you'd, if you'd have told us in 2011 there was going to be an almighty commodities price crash mm-hmm. coming, 
there are going to be a truckload of people put out of work in the mining industry mm. uh, and the associated industries like mining services and cartage and haulage and everything yeah. that goes with that, right? If you'd have said, we're going to get through this and only have 5.8% unemployment, you would have signed up on the spot. Yeah. I would have signed up for 65 yeah. If they'd have told me this is coming yeah. and we'll cap unemployment at 65% five years later, I would have said, absolutely, please give it to me because it's going to be worse than that. Yep. To escape from that with five point something is an absolute miracle. Again, not for those people impacted, but for the economy as a whole, to get through without that sort of collapse is, is fantastic. I should mention as well that the economist boffins will generally consider 5% as full employment. Right, right. People can be between jobs and all other kinds of things. So it, it rarely, in fact, almost never gets better than that. And if you get 5%, that is considered as good as it gets. So 5.8%, pretty decent. And below 5%, by the way, is not only as full employment, that's when the economists have to worry about inflation. Yes. So if, there's, if we're at 5%, all of us can demand more from our bosses, which yeah. is great for us. The problem is the bosses then want to put prices up, then we demand more, then prices go up, then we demand more. Bit of a vicious That's how circle. you end up with massive inflation, so we want to avoid it. One last stat to leave you with, Andrew. Okay. We talk about these job numbers like they're real, mm. okay? They are at best real approximations. Yes. So our colleague, Joe Mager, who now runs Lakehouse Capital, which yep. is an affiliated company of The Motley Fool, uh, tweeted uh, yesterday when the results were out, and he said, reminder on today's Aussie total employment numbers. The ABS's confidence interval, which means based on the, 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 the guesses and the, the surveys they do, Nerd alert. their confidence interval ranged from a loss of 45,000 jobs to a gain of 72,000 jobs. So I'll translate if I can. Go for it. So what, what, what Mr. Mager is saying here is that there, there is a degree of uncertainty in these numbers. Yes. Uh, just the nature of statistics. So what they're really saying is that they're certain of these numbers within 95%, but that 5% room... Of room for error means that it actually could have been, to your point, I forgot the numbers you said, but yep, it could yep. have actually been a, a loss or an increase. There's a range of 100,000 jobs in, in that range. And just for what it's worth, we talk about climate change in other contexts. Scientists are more sure about climate change than the ABS is sure about the job numbers. So <laughs> just, just take it with a bit of a grain of salt. Like anything, the trend matters far, far more than the monthly numbers. Yeah, and look, it, it's better than nothing, right? Let's move on. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. We've got to talk about Vegemite. Oh, Are you a Vegemite man? I'm a happy little Vegemite, Andrew. <laughs> Me too. I'm <laughs> like uh, the, uh, Kenny from the movie. I like really thick. Heaps of butter. And really, really thick. Now, mate, you know a little bit about me because we had breakfast before this podcast this morning and you saw me put plenty of Vegemite on my toast, but I'm not a butter, I'm not a butter guy. How do you do it? Oh, look, I love my Vegemite, but it's the, it's the combination with the butter I that do, makes it. I, I have to. I do love both, but just an absolute thick sludge of Vegemite on top of my, my toast. I'm more than happy. Bread roll, sandwich, whatever. Give me some really good Vegemite or some really good bread, either some nicely hot toasted bread or some really thick white bread. Mate, I'm in heaven. That's isn't all it, I need. Isn't it great? I also love to, whenever we get like a US president out here or a US celebrity, there's <laughs> always, you know, a talk show host and they always say, yes, hey, yes. try this. And, you know, we just love the reaction from the Yanks like, biting into Vegemite. I don't, I don't get to watch the footy show all that often, but I did see one where uh, Bo Ryan actually had The Rock. Um, the, the the actor wrestler yeah. um, actually tastes some Vegemite. Kevin Hart, the comedian, <laughs> both at the same time. It was fantastically <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, they, they call it actual grease, and probably for some decent reason. Yeah. Uh, there's not many people around the world that uh, that do love our Vegemite, but it's their loss, our gain. Well, I, I maintain it, it that. It really sort of gained a foothold in Australia because they, I think they right. gave it to the troops, didn't they, in World War Two as a source of vitamin B. That would be right. Well, you know what? It's, it, so just a quick aside, without going too far off the off the track. It is a um, money podcast. Right. <laughs> Bear with us. So let's talk about World War Two and Vegemite, shall we? <laughs> okay. In um, um, it, it turns out there's a there's a wide range of or a belief that Australian POWs actually survived better 
in the POW camps because they got Vegemite in their rations from the Red Cross, which contained vitamin B. Isn't that brilliant? So that's, that's the, that's the I, I won't say it's scientifically proven, but it's certainly the belief both amongst those who observed this stuff and actually the soldiers themselves that the Vegemite actually helped them survive the war in, well, they, they, they all went through absolute hell, but in slightly better shape than some of the soldiers from other countries who didn't have it in their rations. Eat more Vegemite is the that's lesson the there. So, okay, let's yes. let's have a look at this from a, from a business angle. Australian company yes. got sold off a while ago. Sold off to Kraft? Yes, many, many years ago. And then uh, Kraft spun off uh, it, its operations into, I can never pronounce this, Mondelez? <laughs> right, it? so Kraft is a US food maker. Yep. Um, because the, the, the bloody uh, you know, knucklehead financial types in, 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 uh, at Kraft decided, you know what, we can create more value by splitting this company into two and just because they wanted to. So the, the, the US business was still called Kraft. Yep. And the subsidiary or the, or the spun-off business was called Mondelez. It retained a perennial right, a perpetual right to the brands, yep. but was a separate company. And that, that was basically outside the US yep. for most of the most of the company's products. So it, it, the split's irrelevant. But anyway, so the, the, the business was formerly known as Kraft International, is now Mondelez. Yep. And it's saying, guys, we really don't want Vegemite. We don't want Kraft peanut butter. We don't want Bonox. We don't want Zoosh. Well, we'll sell it all to Bigger. Okay. And they and Bigger... The cheese and dairy uh, company? Cheese and Vegemite, right? Match, match made <laughs> in heaven. Go. Match made in heaven. It was distant. And, uh, and the that... shares were up 15% yesterday on the news. Happy so little Vegemite. Like, here we go. <laughs> Boom. Beat, beat you to it. You're welcome, fools. Uh, we, we need the theme song playing there, don't we? Um, <laughs> so, so $460 million uh, biggest yes. ponied up for this. Yes, that's a lot of Vegemite. Hell of a lot of Vegemite there. Um, and... The, the news was was pretty warmly received, particularly from the pollies and the rest. It was like, it's great. It's coming back to Australian hands. It's got to be good, right? Um, we'll come we'll come back to this point, but uh, I, I don't know if it really makes much of a difference, frankly. Um, but is this a good move for, for Bigger? I think it's a great move for Bigger, Andrew, with a possible question about the amount of money they're paying. Not even the price per mm. se, just the sheer chunk of change. They're holding over half a billion dollars yeah. to buy. This is a lot of money. Yeah. Look, it makes sense for Bigger because Bigger's a dairy company and all they do is milk and cheese. Yep. Effectively, all they do is milk and cheese. And they most of them, most, a very, very large chunk of their business is what we call private label. In other words, that's the stuff they sell to Woolies and Coles, cheapest chips. They put their own label on it yep. and sell it as Coles brand or Woolworths brand or something else, right? Yep. Now, that's a really, really difficult position to be in if you're a food supplier because Woolies and Coles are the big, big gorillas in the room, they right? They will squeeze you. And they, exactly. Hard. And and so and you can't, frankly, they can't afford not to have that business. In fact, yep. Bigger lost one of the contracts last year and the shares fell about 15%. Yeah. So yep. the rise on the, on the Vegemite news only just gets them back square with where they were six months ago before the news was out. So if you're a dairy company, you're already selling a volatile commodity mm. and you're selling most or, or a large chunk of your business to to supermarkets for cheap prices. That's a very, very, I want to say dangerous place, but it's a very, um, it, you just want to be very bit careful. It can be very volatile. It can really see your business go from highs and lows, peaks and troughs. Yeah. Buying a quality repeat purchase food business like the craft grocery business they're buying yeah. gives them some basically ongoing demand, stable demand, high quality brands. So they've gone from being a cheese and dairy company relying on supermarkets and commodity prices to now being a diversified branded grocery supplier with multiple brands, multiple categories, and frankly, a, a much a much less volatile business in the peanut butter, Vegemite, Bonox yeah. business yeah. than their core business. So and those, it gives them breadth, it gives them depth, and it gives them a lack of volatility. And those brands are valuable too. There, there are there are other versions of Vegemite. Dick Smith's is the one that springs to mind. Aussie Mike, Aussie exactly. Mike. Yes. Um, you know, 
doesn't come even close in, in my humble opinion. Not even close. Uh, although if I did a blind taste test, maybe I wouldn't even know the difference. I would but, guarantee you'll know the difference. Yeah, well, I've never Vegemite. tried it, so there's, that's, that's how strong my brand loyalty is. And of course, there's Marmite from overseas and Promite and God knows what else. I do like a bit of Promite, I've got to tell you. Get out. <laughs> Get out. Okay, so, so This is a Vegemite, this is a Vegemite, Vegemite podcast, only. thank you very much. Yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, I'll, that's heresy. I'll, I'll, I shouldn't have said that. Exactly. So so here's, here's the thing I, I, I thought of with this deal yep. is although it's 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 it helps diversify although it's really great brands and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff the trouble is it's an extraordinarily mature market yes that people have tried to bring vegemite <laughs> to the world i think the only place we sell that outside of australia is to a small expat community in right. in, in london california and us and earl's court in london is about where it sells exactly. that, that's the only place yes, and yes. no matter you can be you know you can be the Don Draper of the marketing world <laughs> and you are never, ever going to convince Chileans or, you know, uh, Yanks or any of it to eat this kind of stuff. So there's no growth in any of this. When you look for the words acquired taste in the dictionary, there is a photo of Vegemite. There's that's surely, that's, the, that's surely the very, very is. definition of acquired taste. So that is, is that a concern for you? The fact that there's, you, you'll probably get, broadly speaking, your growth in this with Vegemite is going to be population growth, right? Yeah, pretty much. Look, I think, you know, we, we always say with any investment, it's obviously the, the, the business you're buying, but also the price you're paying. Yep. Um, Vegemite, is, yeah, it's, it's a zero growth business. It might grow at population, it might not. Um, frankly, fewer people are having bread, so maybe there's even less Vegemite being sold as a, as a result. Yeah, right. Um, there are some trends going against it. This is not going to be a... People aren't buying this to be at the next growth business, right? No. They're buying this because they want the profits, they want the, the scale, they want the, the diversification. Recurring. That's what makes it worth worth buying. You know, to, to the point before, they're paying half a billion dollars for the 460 million for the craft business. It's a very, very large bite to swallow. This is, yep. you know, we talk about company transforming deals that companies like to trumpet. I don't know if they've used that phrase, but this literally is because it's such a big thing and such a different business for them. Yeah. Um, I think it just, I think it just makes sense on all those levels. I think if you're, if you're a bigger shareholder, you'd want to be happy that they're simply taking a more diversified view. And they're becoming a, a, a large Australian grocery player because they're more competitive, more um uh, negotiating power, I should say, with Woolies and Coles. It gives yep. them more protection against competition. This is a good deal, I think, for them. Over time, we'll find out whether the, whether the price is worth paying. Yep. We should also mention they lose the craft brand, at least at this stage, in December 2017. So Vegemite will no longer be right. craft Vegemite, it'll be Vegemite. Yep. The big question is things like craft peanut butter, for example. Yeah. There can only be craft peanut butter. You take craft off, peanut butter is just for peanut butter. So yeah. the, you know they've got to do something with that. They're, they're trying to negotiate point. with Mondelez and craft to keep that brand. Yes. And maybe they can with some sort of licensing deal. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a little bit of risk around that. Um, you know, this won't necessarily be a financial slam dunk. The good yeah. thing is, by the way, it's earnings accredited from day one. That's so it's nice. adding to the bottom line straight away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is a story that just, they're going to have to be a little bit careful. But if they even come out almost roughly flat, yeah. just the extra diversification and volatility protection, I think shareholders should be happy with A bit more of a stable business. Indeed. So, so quickly, um, uh, buy, sell, or hold for, for bigger? Oh, I would hold that. I wouldn't have bought it before the deal. No. Um, I like the company better after the deal. I'm not sure I love the current share price. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, look, the thing is with um, uh, any kind of dairy uh, operation, there's agricultural businesses are very, very tough yeah. at the best of times. Um, so for me, I, I, I never say never with those businesses, but I like a really big fat discount. Yep. And, and you know, you, you can overanalyze this kind of stuff. But when I sort of look at the price, particularly post the Vegemite deal with up 15% extra, yeah. I just don't see a burning desire to race out and buy the shares, particularly with the growth prospects and that that they have. So yeah. I actually like the, the craft grocery business much more than I like the big totally. business, quite frankly. Yeah, totally. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
So the other the other dimension to this yes. is is the fact that it's coming back to Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. There we go. Uh, so we've seen a whole bunch of global multinationals pick up, you know, Indeed. iconic Aussie brands. Yes. There's been Arnott's, yes. Foster's. Yes. Although I've I've never met an Australian that drinks Foster's. <laughs> um, but it's the whole Foster's. It's the it's the um, it's the old Carlton United Breweries portfolio. So it's yes. VB Carlton Draft Melbourne Bitter. Great Northern, you go the, the whole whole sway through that whole range, yeah. Yep, yep, absolutely. It's kind of, kind of the, the similar. No one in Mexico drinks Corona, and no, no one in no one in Holland drinks uh, Heineken, or you know. It's, but by God, we eat veggie, mate. Don't, do we? Don't we? What? So we've had Fosters, we've had Arnott's, Uncle yep. Toby's yes. is another one, and Aeroplane Jelly. Yes, they exactly. are they are no longer in Australian hands. Tuies, Tuies, yep, right? Gone. Okay, so that's gone as yes. well. So, um, and and it's a very emotive topic. And, but I think all we need to do is bring a little bit of some facts to the table and, and sort of try and look at this as clearly as we can. Throw one more, Andrew. Chesty Bond. Gone. Oh, Chesty Bond. Owned by the Yanks. Yes, of course. Give us some perspective. Okay. So, um, uh, so with this deal, we'll, we'll focus on, on the, the Vegemite Bega thing for okay. a moment. Good idea. How many extra jobs are we going to create through this deal? Uh, add one, divide by two, carry the f- zero. Zero. Absolutely. Yeah. It was already being manufactured here, right? Correct. Um, what about the fact that the profits... Are now being com- are coming back to an Australian company. It's got to be good, right? Well, I don't know. So here's the thing: they spent four hundred sixty million dollars mm-hmm. to capture whatever profits they're going to make ongoing. So they paid out half a billion yep. to get back something. We don't actually know what the number is. Call it. Call it I think the whole deal they're expecting an operating profit of forty. Let's say, yeah. so talk about ten percent profit, right? Yep. So they've effectively paid ten years profit to someone else yep. to get petrol profits from the company. Yeah. So you know, yeah, the profits came back. But they didn't come back cost free. We actually paid or bigger paid mm. for those profits to be returned to Australia. So is it a net benefit? Well, it kind of depends on your view. And this is where we kind of move from economics to patriotism, nationalism, call it what you want. This is where it gets a little bit crowded. Everyone instinctively wants good stuff at home. Yeah. You know, we want to be proud of the country. We want things like that to be here. We just asked the question, you know, was it worth bigger paying 460 bucks for Vegemite? Well, it brings the brand back home, but if bigger doesn't make money from the deal, mm. Then the, they've actually wasted that money. In fact, they would have been better to leave their money at home and leave the profits overseas rather than paying up right now for the future profits. Even of the if they make windfall profits off it, right? It goes to, to bigger shareholders. That's not right. that's not something that's shared amongst the whole <laughs> exactly. the, the whole country. I exactly. Know. So I, I guess there's there's that perspective um, as Look, well. Foreign ownership is, is it's a really funny one, Andrew. And it comes you know Australian made, Australian owned, all that stuff. You know. It, in a perfect world, well, not even a perfect world, there are people who would say, well, we want to buy Australian-made products because we like to support our own. Yep. We want to buy Australian-owned products because we like to support our own. Mm. That all makes plenty of sense, except there's a whole lot of Australian companies that are doing business overseas. Yes. And we'll talk about some of those we'll a bit later. But let's, let's, yeah. let's, let's pick a couple. BHP Billiton, right? Yep. Mostly in order, at least Australian by origin. Yep. Most of its mines are overseas. Mm. Most of its coal and iron and, and silver and zinc and whatever else it makes sold overseas. Mm. Now, if you don't like foreign trade, yeah. Then you're really saying you don't want BHP to be successful. Yeah. Now people say, oh no no no, I want BHP to be successful. I just don't want to buy the stuff from over there. Mm. It's like, well, you don't get to have just one way of this, right? You've got to look at it holistically, totally. don't you? There, there is a trade-off here. So like, the Holden Car example was, right. was a great example. Perfect so, example. And, and we talked about it previously on the podcast. It's, it's horrible. I mean, there's no way we want. We just want to gloss over this. A whole bunch of people lost their jobs, yes. and that is bad. And some of those people are going to really struggle to get new jobs because they're very specialised. Oh, I mean, there's no there's no way you put a positive spin on that. Right. But then when you look at it as a uh, 
someone who's running the country should, and you're looking yep. for the, 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 the net value to the, the country. Good. Correct. You know, when we, when we, when we focus on things that we're good at, what an economist would call what we have a comparative advantage in, Perfect. it means that we get to buy cars cheaper because we're buying it off the Japanese mm -hmm. or someone else who are able to produce it much, much, much more efficiently. Yes. So on balance, we're better off because our goods become cheaper and the and the, the people who bear the brunt of that, unfortunately, are the workers, but as a percentage of the population, it's very small. And if we do our best to look after those people specifically, make sure they're okay, then it is a net, net positive, right? This is the danger with what Trump's talking about, right, in the US as well. He'll cater to some, some interest groups and they'll be better off, but on balance, most Americans will be worse off with some very restrictive trade policies. We talked about bonds earlier, Andrew. We used to manufacture bonds, undies and socks here in Australia. Yep. And everyone said, I want Australian made, I want Australian, and I'll buy Australian stuff, except no one, no one did. did right? I'm so, going to go buy the cheap... Over overseas stuff. You're buying $4 shirts from Kmart rather than $25 shirts from, from Bonds. Yep. What does that do? It means that we're making a decision with our own wallets and the government yep. there is not there to prop up the difference. So yep. you can say for all you want, well, I want Australian made, I want Australian owned. And all else being equal, absolutely, right? Well, other, yes, but that's the thing, right? So you can buy five t-shirts from Kmart for four bucks each mm -hmm. or one Bonds t-shirt for 20 bucks. Now, assuming those five t-shirts last even a day longer than the other one you could have bought from Bonds yep. together, yep. you're ahead. And that's the thing about the, the benefit to Australians is... The living standards which we enjoy are much, much improved. 25 years ago, we had massive tariffs on cars. Mm. We drove around in early generation Commodores and Falcons and Kingswoods. Mm. They were wonderful cars in it with a nostalgic rose-colored you know, view background. Yeah. But the cars that we're made and buying in Australia now are much, much, much better because of foreign trade, and they're significantly cheaper. Yeah. And that's the story, right? We're getting cheaper TVs. We're getting cheaper... Um, cars, we're cheaper, you know, whatever we buy from overseas is coming much, much cheaper than we could make it here ourselves. That means I've got more money left at the end of the day after I buy my car or TV or whatever I'm buying to go and buy something else, either made in Australia or made overseas. So our standard of living is far, far higher because of international trade than it would be without it even if it means we have to see Australian brands go overseas, even if it means there's occasional job losses. Yeah, I think um, President uh, Z, is it? I can't, the... the G, yep. G, thank you. Um, he said they're, all, they're all over um, in Davos at the moment talking yes. trade. And, and he, he said it very nicely. You can lock yourself in a room. Mm -hmm. uh, he's talking about trade here. And you block <laughs> out the wind and the rain. Mm -hmm. But you also leave out the air and the light. It's a wonderful oh, you go. proverb, like, you know. Nice, nice, nice. It can, you know, it's really, really cool. And I, I think, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a very direct sort of message to, to sort of trump there yes. but but i think that's the thing you, you've got to look at here it, it's about the greater good and i think a lot of in fact i think it's virtually all of all of the economists around the world would argue that on net, on a net basis we are better off there's almost no serious economist who would say that foreign trade global trade globalization is a net negative for anybody on a, on a holistic scale. it generally there are makes individual people who all lose. countries richer right yep there are people who lose by, out of globalization, absolutely. Yeah. Our job as a, as a caring society is to look after those people. Totally. But we're all better off as a group because of it. Um, and the same with anything. anything. Anything government does. A new road goes somewhere through something. You know, uh, <laughs> so it of the castle, right? Mm. Um, you know, it, it, there are things that have to be done by governments because they're in the greater good. And sometimes mm. individual people suffer for that. And that's unavoidable. It's not awesome, but that's exactly how a, a, a kind of communal democracy works. That's mm. exactly the pact we make with each other, which is... I might have to dis inconvenience you, Andrew. I'll look after you. Mm. But there is 25 million Australians. There's one of you. And 
I'm sorry, mate, if this is kind of negative for you, I'm going to try and help you fix it, but we need to go put push ahead because the other 24 million people need their lives improved as well. Well, that's our ideology, painted, it, painted up on the wall. And I'm going, to, I'm going to be absolutely firm on that until my job goes overseas, <laughs> and then I'm going to start totally disagreeing with it. No, different. Investment professionals should absolutely be in Australia. They should be in Australia. There's a very, very clear case absolutely for that. Absolutely different. We want tariffs, we want border protections. We put <laughs> up the walls. It. Exactly. Donald Trump, Mr. Trump, it's, it's, it's Scott Phillips. Mate, we'd like a wall manufacturer's name, please, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> Pass it on. We're building it around the studio as we speak. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. So uh, Australia Day stock picks. Yes. Australia Day is coming up. Uh, we thought, let's have, a, let's have a look across the ASX. What are some companies that are really taking it to the world, really yes. can make us proud as Australians uh, that, they're, you know, we are a very, very small fish in the, in the global economic ocean. We're, We're about 2% of the world's 2%. stock market. So we are, yep. we are, we, but we punch above our weight, goddammit. And hit me off with the first Aussie stock that we should be proud of. That's funny, you know, we weren't thinking about this when we set it up, but after the last conversation, it just occurs to me that all of these companies are successful because of foreign trade, because they can actually go yeah, overseas right. and do their thing, right? Yep, Which yep. wasn't our intent, but just, just an interesting, nice interesting side. Look, yeah, there are some great Australian companies doing it overseas. One of the best and, and best examples, frankly, is Cochlear. Yeah. Now, cochlear make the cochlear implants, funnily enough. Mm. Um, these, are the, these are the kind of miracles of modern technology that allow people who have got hearing impairment or are literally profoundly deaf to actually hear. If you haven't seen them, do yourself a favor. YouTube, Google, whatever you need to do. Mm. A little kid who gets a cochlear implant and can hear its mother for the first time, it, uh, will, give you, it will give you chills, I promise it you. Doesn't it, it is yeah. just spectacular. These, this is developed in Australia, made, uh, originally made in Australia. I'm not sure where they're made now, but certainly designed in Australia, developed mm. in Australia, based in Australia, these cochlear implants sell all over the world and they are helping hundreds of thousands of people here who otherwise wouldn't have, couldn't. Um, the, the technology keeps improving year after year after year. Just a spectacular piece of technology, a spectacular Australian success story and a company we think you can buy at today's prices. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it's one of those ones you don't want to overthink because the quality is so exceptional. And we should mention here too, this isn't just a company that's holding its own on the world stage. This is a company that is the leader, this is a the world undisputed leader. You look, you can go anywhere to buy uh, implants, but if you want the best and the best of the best, you go to Cochlear. You, you go to Cochlear, and anyone who's been a shareholder of Cochlear for a while um, will know just how rewarding it can be. Do you Indeed. remember they had a, a, a recall not that long ago? I do. Ago. The share was just went down to fifty five dollars. They just got decimated because they, you know, look, any manufacturer has a recall from time to time. They had one, and it was just that deal of a lifetime, wasn't it? Share price and, now. Uh, $128.19 as I look at my screen. Can I tell you how smart I was, Scott? Please. I bought a bunch uh, when it was down. Not not at the very bottom. Yeah, well done. Genius. So Uh, how much money have you made now? Well, it it got up, I think it got up to about 60 bucks or so. Yeah, and and then it kept going. And and it did, but I I sold out because that's how smart I am. I thought... Oh, what a what a quick win! Look how smart I am, yeah, and dear. you know it's a lesson I've had many times, dear, and, dear, and, dear. And, and I do struggle to learn it. Which <laughs> is the money is is made in 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 the holding and not in not in the trading. Amen, and sir. I should have just kept them in the bottom drawer. I would have been far better off. Anyway, speaking of long term success stories. Tell me about the organization that used to be called the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory. Commonwealth Serum Laboratory. It's another one in the sort of uh, broader healthcare space, CSL Limited. That's They're the also above 100 bucks a share, $111 at this, uh, as I speak. Right. These guys, um, they make blood products. So there's a whole... Uh, we, That's very Frankenstein-esque. Yeah, well, it's, look, they do, they do wonderful things. Right. Yeah, they, they, they make products 
that improve the lives of a lot of people. And vaccines, by the way. Gardasil vaccine, the um, yeah. uh, cancer vaccine yep. made yep. by CSL. Yep. Um, and and a, a gazillion products. And they get more and more You've products counted? every year. <laughs> yeah, Literally like, a gazillion? A gazillion, yeah. Who knew it went that high? It, well, it does. Right. And they've got that many. And <laughs> they so they, they take in blood. Blood's yep. got a gazillion things. Another, <laughs> another gazillion things I hope in you're it. counting at home here, Phils. Um, uh, and, and they're able to sort of fractionalize that and 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 do some very clever biotech biotechnological uh, techniques to that, and they can provide more products. It has right. wonderful pricing power. Right, You're right, the right. kind of person who's in the market for this kind of thing, and you need it. They can charge. A, you know, there's huge pricing power there. These are life sustaining, life improving, life saving technologies. Yeah, and and it's it, it's another company that has just done incredibly well over the long term. If you bear with me very quickly, I'll give you a very interesting stat. Over the last ten years, shareholders would have compounded their wealth at nineteen point three. Percent per annum. They would have doubled their money about every three years. To put right, it another way. I'm going to make. I'm going to finish this off with one that I know and like very much, and I'll declare a shareholding in this company. So take that with a grain of salt, fools. The company is Corporate Travel Management. It's a corporate travel manager. Funnily enough, I don't know how they came up with the name, but it turns out it helps businesses make travel bookings, manage their accounts, manage their travel policies. It basically makes it easier and cheaper for companies to send their employees around the country and around the world on airplanes and find hotels for them to stay at. Wait, they're a travel agent? They're basically a travel agent. How come, a, how come most people wouldn't have heard of these guys? Because they only work in businesses. Ah. So they are just for the business sector. Yep. If you own a small, medium, large business, they'll come to you and say, look, here, here's, let me manage your travel for you. Yep. We'll manage the bookings. We'll manage the reporting. We'll manage the permissions and approvals. We'll make it all happen. We're there if you need somebody. And it's all done online. They have done a spectacular job of growing here in Australia. They have fantastic success stories right around the country and now right around the world. They're now in the US, they're in Asia, they're in the UK, they're in Europe. Corporate travel management, you know, 25 year success story, probably about five years or so on the ASX, had done a really wonderful job over a very long period of time. And more recently, over a shorter period of time, the share price has absolutely rocketed because they're getting it done. They are beating. The, the guys overseas, they're beating the UK travel managers, the Asian travel managers, they're beating the US travel managers. They're building a business and making their customers happy. You won't have heard of corporate travel management before, probably, yeah. but it is one of the best little businesses on the ASX getting bigger quite quickly. I'll give you another stat. Tell me. These guys have averaged for shareholders, yes. so dividends and capital gains combined 60% per year oh. on average over the last five years. You'd take that. You did take it. And you, and you, <laughs> you I'm, I'm, yeah, you, you, you were smarter than me, and you didn't you didn't lock in a, we, in, a, in a quick profit. We so did well recommend done. it to our members at about two dollars fifty or two dollars sixty. It's now about eighteen bucks. So they've they've done pretty well. Um, I, I will say not every one of our recommendations goes quite so well, uh, but we're we're pretty proud of that. God, one. I wouldn't if only. Can we finish this off? We better finish it off, right. uh, fools. As always, thanks for your company. We always enjoy doing this, Scott. Thanks to you as well. Thank you, Andrew. Um, remember, you can subscribe, and we hope you do. Go to the uh, iTunes store or go to your favorite Android podcast app. And as we always ask. Um, um, we'd it'd be ever so kind if you could give us a nice big fat five stars there. But until next time, full on. Happy Australia Day and full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.